What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Curry.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. What's up, y'all? Back again for another episode in the same week, huh? Bonus episodes. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna do the bonus episode this week and next, and I think the the week after is when you're gonna see the integration of the new live stream. And still, it will not affect the uh, Tuesday drop of Rideshare Rodeo. That will always drop on Tuesday. Nothing will change there. And I will just explain after we get through this week and next. Um, the live stream idea I have, and uh, we're going to try it and see if it works. But this week and next, we'll have a bonus podcast. Um, this week, um, I'm going to jump in here pretty quick. I, I do want to give a quick plug out to Curry here. Um, Curry, last mile services, you guys. I've uh, been telling you about it. Get signed up through the show notes. Make sure that um, you know you give it a little time. You don't have to have the app open. Leave the location services always on leave the banner um, alerts on and you can just leave the app closed all the time. And the, when the orders come through, you'll see the, the banner app, tap it because they're always good offers. Try and get it quick and build a reputation with Curry. You'll start getting more orders, more orders, more orders. So use the link in the show notes and get signed up for Curry guys. So this week, the bonus podcast is with uh, Kim Cavan and um, well, we're going to, I'm going to jump right into it because it's, it's, it's a it, it, we get into a lot of stuff and Kim will tell you everything about her and we will discuss everything about her and by the end you will fully understand this piece. This piece is for every independent contractor. And if you've listened to other pieces we've done on independent contractors um you know with Lisa Rostein, Gail Gordon, uh Vina Dubal, uh Willie Solis, the Gig Worker Collective, any of those that we've done um this is a must listen because this is talking about other states too, not just the Pro Act, not just AB5, but the other states that are doing things already. Uh, Kim is from New Jersey, and uh, I won't give anything away because the whole story unfolds in this interview. So uh, get ready, strap in, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. So this week I have Kim Cavan. Um, a freelance writer, um, full-time, uh, who lives in New Jersey. And Kim, I am uh, very glad you're joining us here today. I'm very excited to be here to talk <laughs> to all my fellow allies in this fight about protecting independent contractor work. That's right. So what Kim, what Kim and I are going to talk about today is the other side of AB5. Those of us who want to remain independent contractors and, um, and be able to make our own decisions um, as to how we work, where we work, 
and who we work with and what tools and everything we do to do that work. So, uh, Kim, can you give us a little introduction on yourself? Sure. I, um, I'm the kid who blew the bell curve in English class when you were in school. I won the spelling bee in grammar school and I was the editor of the high school newspaper. And I went off to journalism school at the University of Missouri and I came out and I spent about a decade working for daily newspapers, uh, which I loved. Um, but this, this awful thing happened to me in 1997. I was uh, walking, I was coming home from work. I was walking into my apartment building and a man I didn't know had never met who for many years, it turned out had been suffering in and out of hospitals and jails with paranoid schizophrenia. He got hold of me from behind and he beat me unconscious and he tried to stab me to death with a kitchen knife um, just because he was off his meds and having these horrible visions of women and pools of blood and all this really bad stuff. So I developed this thing you may have heard people talk about with war veterans called post-traumatic stress disorder, which I think a lot of people, yeah. So a lot of people have heard of this. um, And I had to get into some pretty serious therapy to try to get that under control. And you very quickly realize that trying to get post-traumatic stress disorder under control and sitting under a police scanner on a daily newspaper Metro desk These are not things that work very well together in terms of your stress level being where you need to get it to be. So I ended up uh, leaving that job and going to work for a boating magazine uh, in the next state over in Connecticut. And I became the executive editor of this national boating magazine. And that was where I learned that freelance writing even existed. This magazine had all these freelance writers who Maybe they were former. I'm sorry. This was what year again? This was in 2000. I went to that magazine. Okay. And they had all these freelance writers who maybe they were former boat captains or they were naval architects or they were guys who used to own boat dealerships. Whatever they were, they had this incredible expertise in the subject matter. And I started to realize just how much work these kinds of freelance writers were getting And when I did the math, some of them were making more money than I was making in a year. And I was the executive editor, the number two on the staff. And I thought, well, I'm a good writer. And, you know, I I had at that point, after about three years, developed a pretty good expertise of my own in the little area of boating known as charter, where people book these boats for a week and go on these vacations, these private little vacations. And I thought, well, why can't I do that? Then I would be in full control of my schedule. If I have a bad night of nightmares, I can just sleep in the next day and start writing at 11 o'clock instead of nine o'clock. I'm in my own home office. So there's no chance I'm going to get triggered by some thing that sets off my PTSD. And I can make as much, if not more money. And PS, get rid of all the sexist nonsense that goes on with women in the workforce anyway. And so in 2003, I just up and quit my job and decided to become a freelance writer and editor. Um, now, and again, this is years before Uber, uh, Uber came to be in 2009. Lyft was yeah. in 2012. I predated all that when I created my little limited liability company in 2005 and became full-time freelance writer and editor. Okay. So, and since that's been, that has been what you've done. Yeah. And it's been great. And um, not just for the boating magazines, you know, if people Google me, they're going to find me everywhere from 
the Washington Post to Entrepreneur Magazine to book publishing. I've, I've written a bunch of books, um, all kinds of things that I've gotten to do that have just been fantastic. And I, and I make way more than I ever did on a staff job anywhere. And I'm super happy and healthy and very, very rarely have to deal with that PTS stuff anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel you on that, like example, when I had Vina on, um, you know, I, Vina Duval, I, I work for a laser company and actually lived in Miami, worked for them on a salary, um, which also comes into play a little bit when we start talking about ProAct that never really gets mentioned, by the way. And we don't need to dive into that today. But when they talk about, you know, you're only making X amount per hour, try a salary job, people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I that's, will hold up my That's P&L. when you get abused on your time. Okay. Yes. I will yeah. hold up my hourly earnings against anybody <laughs> in my business. Anybody. But so when I moved to Colorado in the late 90s and I left, my boss and I had a great relationship. And since all the work is done on the road, I continued doing that work and doing some of the plotting and mapping through our software at home, um, going and doing shows. Uh, I do some computer IT work and I'm doing uh, gig app-based on-demand gig platforms. So for me, there are no two ways around this because nobody in the world would let me go do um, you know, five months with Elton John on the road and just say time out on my job. That sounds like super fun, by the way, with Elton John on the road. Never <laughs> See, got to do anything like that. That was before. the that was the la- actually that was the last thing I was doing before COVID was filling in for a guy who had who had to get back to his wife who had just had their second baby. And so I went to fill in for him and I was doing some of the East Coast shows through North Carolina. We went to Philly. Uh, we hit Cleveland. And it was right then that it was about to move over to Europe and we were starting to hear about COVID. And here I was on the road in a bus, you know, with other crew and stuff. And like, we're, we were all kind of taking it like, eh. and then we were all heading home and everybody was really getting serious. By the time I got here, it was like to the day where it was like, you better lock yourself up. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Like for my scenario that I just described and for what you're describing, there is not a way to do this. And I've owned businesses. I know that we can't, you know, one of the things that can crush businesses the most is I, I owned a bar or two bars for many years. And I got to say that I've done every position in them and that's what got me to buy them. But what'll kill you in, a, in the bar industry is a payroll. And that's why they have a specific minimum wage for for bartenders and servers because they know the tips will outweigh. So therefore you make like 213 or $3 as a bartender, but you'll pull 40 an hour. You know, it's just that somehow the law exempts that and brings it down. So I think that's another case for, you know, here's a, a, a perfect example of a of of, of a exemption before AB5 and all this existed because that's been going on since well predating probably me being alive. I never worked in a bar, but um, during my college years, I might have started in high school, um, definitely during college, I dished pizza at a, a pizza joint on the Jersey Shore. And we'd lean our heads out the window to see how long the lines were at the bars to get in. And that's how we knew <laughs> what the rush would be. And it's just what you said. I don't think I got paid hardly anything by the hour. But I go home with hundreds and hundreds of dollars in in my hand in tips during that bar rush. And it was great money. It helped me pay my way through uh, the expenses that I had for college. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would, I know the industry well enough that 
I wouldn't, if they, if somebody was making, if they were offering me $10 an hour, I would walk out of the interview because I would know your restaurant's dead. You don't make any money and I'm not going to earn here. Well, this is how a lot of the freelance writers I know, the professional <laughs> freelance writers, they think about these staff jobs that get posted and we're like, it's just not worth it. I'm doing better out here on my own and I want to stay this way, which is why AB5 and everything that followed just has us so angry. So I know that you're a big voice on Twitter. I see you, you know, and I, I, I see who are the big voices and I've had Lisa on and I've or Lisa Rothstein and, and I've had Gail Gordon on and I'm really glad to have you here today because you seem to be somebody who puts stuff out there and you're one of the people that, I mean, there's a large group of no AB5 on Twitter if people out there don't know, or if some of my listeners don't get on Twitter, I know some of you don't, you know, you're on the other platforms. I'm sure it's going on there too, but on Twitter, it's very predominant. Um, and uh, and it's that's the primary platform that I'm on, even though I do post on them all. That's the one I kind of live on because I, I get my information quick. So I like Twitter. Um, but you are one of the very predominant ones when it comes to AB5 stuff. I could probably list like five or six of you that I know of who I think of the ones that are always in the feed. Well, I, that's amazing to me because I didn't even have my Twitter feed until the end of 2019 when they tried to pass a version of AB5 here in New Jersey. I created the, it's it's at the Kim Cavan and I created it specifically to fight these ABC test laws because I realize as a person who works in media, Twitter is where the journalists and the politicians are. It's the only reason I'm there. And it's right. the only thing that I tweet about on the, on the, the Kim Gavin Twitter handle. Right. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think that's the only reason though. You seem to put out a lot of good content. You seem to have a lot of good information and knowledge on the subject. I know you're in New Jersey, not California. And we are talking about California AB five here. However, I've discussed many times on on the on the podcast that you know Massachusetts, New Jersey, both of those have been targets. Washington State, I mean, all let's put it this way: all states are targeted right now under the Pro Act for one. But even the AB five model is specifically targeting a handful of states right now, and I know New Jersey's been one for a while. We were supposed um, to come next after California, and. Now, if I'm correct, it almost looks like Massachusetts getting that real push right now. So Massachusetts already has this version of the ABC test. There's only two states that do, which is one of the, the very often repeated falsehoods by the other side that I'd like to correct here today. Hmm. Um, yeah, let's, let's... They even said it before the U.S. Senate Help Committee a couple months ago. They got up there and said this ABC test is in more than half the state's What's the problem? Why can't we get it federal in the PRO Act too? It's a lie. It's not true. There are various versions of the ABC test. And some, I know you've talked in depth about the ABC test on your show. Some of them don't even include that horrible B prong that says you can't be in the same line of work as the company that's paying you, that destroys anybody who has any expertise in well, anything. You're, so you're saying that some of the states explanation of ABC type thing is their B prong isn't what California's is. Correct. For New Jersey's is not what California's is. And so Massachusetts was the first state to enact this particular version of the ABC test. And it was a number of years ago. And since then, the courts have stepped in and stopped them 
from doing the kinds of things that AB5 that they've been trying to do in California. So the court stepped in and said, you can't go after the truckers this way. The courts in Massachusetts, they stepped in and said, you can't go over the franchise industry. You'll destroy the entire franchise industry. What are you people talking about? So that has been going on for a while in Massachusetts. And then this particular version, this very strict, restrictive version of the ABC test got put forward in California. And when that happened, you know, all the craziness that happened in California and it led to what was supposed to be this roller coaster where it got enacted in a bunch of other states, starting with my home state of New Jersey. And that was when we all rose up and said, hang on a minute. No. Yeah, the way the way I look at it and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but the way I see it is and before the before the show, Kim and I were talking a little bit. We both have a major passion for the truck drivers, too. So it's it's kind of a common bond of ours on top of everything else here, too. But as I understand it, the Dynamex decision kind of was was AB5. And then it was as, as I'm just going to put it in a different term, but it was kind of like sitting there collecting dirt. And then, like, you know, all of a sudden, taxis are dying out around the country, obviously. But the taxi industry is dying. And if the taxi industry is dying, the unions don't have those million people in or whatever it is per capita in each state, whatever. They're losing them all. And they see this trend. They're not dumb. They're watching it. And they're like, okay, well, we need to replace that trend. Well, that trend became, I think, the original attack was supposed to be on the on-demand app-based industry. And then somehow got ballooned and expanded to cover everybody that works for themselves. Right. So you have to go back even a few years before Dynamex to understand the thinking that's at play here. Um, What year was Dynamex? 2018? Was that Dynamex? I was even going to say earlier, but... Maybe. It was in 2014 that a guy named David Wheel published this book called The Fissured Workplace. I don't know if you've talked, have you talked about this on your show yet? Never. Okay. So David Wheel was a professor, a liberal professor who published this book called The Fissured Workplace in 2014. His thesis is that back in the 1950s and 60s, when we had these giant corporations that were filled with unions, everything was better for everybody. Everything could be more easily regulated by the government. The unions could keep tabs on what the big corporations were doing. Life was just grand and wonderful, which I think anyone who lived through the 1950s and 60s and was not a white straight man might argue with. But this is his philosophy. He talks about it as if these companies were like planets with a couple of little moons orbiting around them. And then he explains how what has happened today is that whole thing has fissured. We have a fissured workplace is his terminology, where instead of the big planet and all the little moons, we now have way too many little moons. And it's just all become too unruly. And we have to fix everything and put it back together, put together what's broken. And if you if you listen to what David Wheel is saying and think about the term fissured workplace, you can draw a straight line from that book through the academic work of people like Vina Dubal, straight into the ABC test legislation like AB5 and the PRO Act, and into the hearings that are going on right now in Massachusetts about their Prop 22 style battle. The term fissured workplace has come up with all of them. Um, 
Vina Duval cited this term in the second paragraph of a paper she wrote in 2017, to your point about the taxi industry. Um, we saw it show up here in New Jersey. It was in the first paragraph in the summer of 2019 of our governor's big fat report on misclassification that led to our AB5 copycat bill. This is the thinking that these people have. Um, and it's and it's not just about the taxi industry. They believe it for the whole of the workplace, that this rise of independent contractors everywhere who are there too many little moons that can't be unionized and overseen, this is what they see as the problem. And they're trying to take us back to the way it used to be. Right. And the, my problem with this is, I mean, like I have one. Okay. Um, one Which problem most... do you want to start with? <laughs> my, one of my big problems with this is, um, and this moves a little besides AB5, but it's something we talk about often here is the PRO Act because I have a lot of listeners who live in right-to-work states. And I've had the question sprung on me so many times. Well, we're a right-to-work state, so the PRO Act wouldn't, wouldn't do anything to our state. I'm like, you better be careful, man. You better be aware because the PRO Act as I understand it, dismantles the right to work states. It, it takes away your right to work states. But the intent is to grow unions and you can't do that if people have the right to work without joining the unions. It's just that simple. And they I've want to heard, go back to the fifties. Even I've even heard as far as though, let's say that, you know, in a right to work state, I can't remember where this was from. This might've been uh, when I had the gig worker collective on or something, but uh, they had said that you know if if fifty point zero 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 one percent had voted that they don't want a union then they wouldn't have it you know the other way they would have it well if fifty point zero zero one even if this is the true way were to vote that they wanted the union as I understand it the other percentage that do not want a union would all of their names and information would be given to these companies I mean that's we would what have, I like, understand too from the Pro Act, yeah. Right. We would have we would have the old school days of I'm initially from Michigan. So we would have those gangster days of like Detroit unions knocking on your door. Come on out to New Jersey and ask us how that goes out here too. Yeah. Same exactly. Thing. But I'm saying like that's what how I've seen it and how I've been told by many people is that listen, you know, like not only would this not only does it dismantle and destroy it. It also allows them to have all of your information and know that you're not with them. Well, and, and, it's very and they'll clear still make they you pay the dues, too. Of course. And it's very clear that they don't care that we don't want to join. Um, and we can we can get into this. But I mean, I don't even know how many lawmakers I've spoken to now at the federal and state level who either a don't know what independent contractors are. B, have no idea about years and years of research showing most of us are happy this way and choosing right. to do this. We're not, we're not being forced into this or exploited. And C, we have no desire to join a union. We, we don't want any part of this. They don't, they don't know any of these things. And so the people pushing these laws through are using that kind of bullying attitude that you just described. And it, it mixes in with this just general ignorance about how millions of Americans earn income every day. And it creates this mess that we're in right now. So I know that you listened to the Vina Dubal interview that I did. Um, specifically, I'm going to talk about a couple points where I have some questions. I want to know your take on it because when we got to, let's say flex time, okay. A term that all of us are familiar with. 
even though it doesn't it's maybe not as prominent uh, with like writers and graphic artists and things of that nature they still have an understanding of what it means being able to work at your will when you want to your business um when i brought that up it kind of looped around a little bit i was like you know well flex time will be gone and she's like no they don't have to take away flex time and i said i remember saying they don't have to but they will and and if if not i i was simply just asking you know i mean otherwise tell me one company one major company that allows you to just come in whenever you want and work cuz i don't know one um so with that and with the flex hours, if they were gone, I mean, this whole thing falls apart. The whole way that all of this works, and a lot of us love it the way it works. Eighty-five uh, percent of eighty-five percent of app-based on-demand employees uh, work. Eighty-five percent work twenty. I think it's twenty-five. No, it was twenty. Twenty-five hours or less a week, meaning they're taking in other income from another place, and they must flex around that. Um. Or they're just doing it part-time or whatever, and they work when they can. They work around their kids, all kinds of things. And without Flex, it's gone. And, and eventually in that conversation, if you noticed, she got down or both of us got down to the point where I think we even agreed. It just took a while to have her say it, which was, well, of course, they'll have to limit the people on the platform. And that's where I become with, you know, I, I think that the companies do need to have some kind of like you know, responsibility to make sure you're not overloaded, you know, and there could be different ways of going about this. However, what her and I finally touched on, and then it was just moved on after we finally kind of hit that point was that at a certain, she's, you know, I'm like, well, but you know, 20,000 people doing work in a certain area might turn into 2000. And she's like, right, but that's better than 20,000 working it. And all of them only getting part-time. And it really confused me because I was like, this is going to blow up. I was like, we, you know, when you, when they threatened Uber and Lyft, I don't, you know, AB5 went into effect January 2020. And when they threatened Uber and Lyft in, I think it was February or March of a date and at midnight, Uber and Lyft said, we're leaving the state. And they'd never like turned around and folded their cards. It was the state of California that turned around because Prop 22 wasn't being voted on for another nine months. And said, you can have a stay until the November election. But they were ready to move on. They were already talking about franchise models and this and that and the other and things that would just destroy everything about these platforms. Yeah, the problem you ran into in that interview on that specific point with Vina Dubal is you challenged one of their main talking points. And they don't like it when we push back. This talking point that the way it's usually said to us in meetings with lawmakers and their aides is, there's nothing in these ABC test laws that prevents work, that prevents companies from giving workers any schedule they want. In fact, the, the U.S. Senate sponsor of the PRO Act, she wrote a whole other bill that went nowhere in 2019 called the Worker Flexibility and Small Business Protection Act. She was going to try to make it law that a company had to bring everybody on as an employee, but let them keep working as if they were independent contractors. And, and they, they keep coming back to this line. There's nothing stopping companies from doing this. And, and what I always respond is, well, there's also nothing stopping companies from giving everybody in America a Lamborghini and a pony. 
I don't see that happening either. <laughs> it's just silly to anyone who has ever held a real job or owned a company to say that the labor can just do whatever they want. Who's ever going to work the shift that ends at 10 o'clock on a Friday night? Nobody. <laughs> of course, they're not going no. to. Well, but they but they are if they need the money and they push too hard on this. I happen to think that at least in the app-based world and the people I communicate with often, I happen to think that a lot of them truly don't. I, I mean, I've brought up to them like, if okay, if this goes through, you become an employee, you get your schedule and they're like, no, no, that's the thing. We won't have a schedule. I'm like, wow. I mean, like, I don't even know where to take it from there because I'm like, guys, you really don't. I don't understand how you don't understand. That's just have a schedule. fantasy land. I, I call that living full-time in fantasy land. You're not understanding how business works. And, right. And it's almost, I, I almost believe they think it'll work the exact same way it does, but they'll have a floor payment. Yeah. And that, that's, you, you're not going to be able to sit on your couch and cherry pick rides. In fact, no, you're it'll not. Be, in fact, the acceptance rate for the first time ever would matter. It would be, you take every ride we send you or you're fired. Because you're now an employee and they yes. can do that when you're an employee. Well, and, and to, to the second point you bumped up against there with her in that one question, um, the idea of, well, all the work will just go away. And their ultimate answer is, well, yeah, we're okay with that. That's true. And we know that from the writer's perspective too, because in early 2019, when AB5 was still uh, being crafted and, and moving through the legislature, the former heads of the uh, American Society of Journalists and Authors, as well as the Society of American Travel Writers, they went to meet with Lorena Gonzalez. And um, the head of the Travel Writers Group, he brought this stack of magazines with him. He had been contributing articles to many, many magazines, but this one particular one, he had sold 122 articles since 2001. Think of all that money and all that content. And, and he was happy with the relationship. It was one of many, many clients that he had. And he, he had gotten a letter from that publisher that said because of the ABC test in the Dynamex decision, he was no longer welcome to submit content. Nobody from California, no writers from California were welcome to submit content anymore. And he went to talk, they went to talk to Lorena Gonzalez and said, we want you to fix the problem Dynamex created for the writers. Don't make it worse with AB5 going into law. As you know, as everyone listening to this show well knows, her, her attitude is, well, who cares? That's what we want to happen. We're okay with you people losing all your income. That's, that's, the, that's the posture of the folks pushing these bills. So Lorena Gonzalez is an elected official, for those of you who don't know, in San Diego. Um, and I don't understand how you think you're going to have constituents or, you know, this isn't a political show, but how, how you have how you're going to keep your constituents if your platform is we know that this is going to secure some jobs, maybe, but it's going to eliminate a ton. How is that a platform that anybody of either party or in the middle or far either way runs on? I can actually answer that question. Well, and I don't, do. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I, I very clearly am opposed to that platform, but I can tell you where they're coming from. These fissured workplace people. Um, Lorena Gonzalez is a teamster. She, she is a person whose backing, whose campaign backing comes from the unions. This, the guy who introduced the AB5 copycat bill out here in New Jersey gets paid, or he did 
at that time got paid $65,000 a year to be the president of our state Senate. He got $250,000 a year to be the vice president of the Iron Workers Union. Who's, who, who, who is it that, that we think these people are really working for when they're making this legislation? When I went in to speak with that guy here in New Jersey, I received the same kind of audience that the writers in California had received when they went to talk to Lorena Gonzalez. I sat down and tried to explain, I'm not being exploited. I'm a professional person. There's all kinds of professional people in all kinds of industries who are going to be swept up in this thing. His response to me was to sit behind his desk, make air quotes and laugh at me and say, freelance writer. What does that even mean? Freelance writer. And he just burst into laughter like it was a joke. We are roadkill. They have decided we are acceptable collateral damage in their path to rebuilding the 1950s and the giant unions and the, the big company power. Yeah, but the problem is, is the, <laughs> the big problem is, is they don't have, I mean, they're, they don't have the jobs by any numbers to actually take care of people. Even if we did want to go along with such a thing where we wanted, you know, okay, we'll all just take union jobs, whatever. There aren't enough jobs. But see, that doesn't matter to them because their goal isn't to create jobs for everyone. Their goal is to get as much money as they can for the unions. So if even 10% of people get turned into employees, there's 59 million independent contractors in this country. If not more now. I know that the stat you're Possibly. using, but post-pandemic now, we're seeing Could people be. quitting and coming on. And Right. Now, some of those people are, are earning partial income as independent contractors. Some of them are like uh, me, and I think you, earning all of our income as independent contractors. There's a big swath of, and they're doing all different kinds of work, everything from driving for Uber to um, you know, bookkeeping for various accounting firms. There's all kinds of people doing this. If you only get even 10% of those people to become employees and you unionize them while the unions just got the biggest, fattest payday that they can imagine since the 1940s. They still win. That's why this is their posture. It's not about what's best for all of us. It's about what's best for growing the unions. Right. And, you know, oddly enough, between the the Vina interview and, and ours today, I don't know, you must have noticed, but I, I remember seeing something in the Sacramento Bee I think I even shared it on uberliftdrivers.com about it was kind of odd. It was a few days after the the Vina interview posted was that one of the big union pe- or one of the big union uh, people over there was like arrested in this huge scandal. Um, I can't remember his name or whatever, but I mean, it was huge money, huge. It was big news in California. Yeah. And um, I, I'm sure you're well aware and your listeners are, too. That's not even remotely the first time a union boss has gone down for corruption in this country. Right. Not that's, even close. that's what I was going to say. You know, that's that was part of my thing about like when I was saying I'm from Michigan, like I didn't want some of those people who vote who voted in the 49 percent to not be union in a work, right to work state to become Jimmy Hoffa's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't want to come off as I, I, if you had asked me in 2018 before all this mess started, am I pro union? I would have told you, yes. I grew up in a union household. My parents were public school teachers here in New Jersey, and we never had a lot of money, but we had a roof over our heads and we had food and we had health insurance and they have pensions now that they're retired. I would have said I have absolutely no 
problem. And to this day, I have absolutely no problem with employees who want to get together and form a union. Mazel tov, good for you. Live long and prosper, you know, all of that. My problem is that since AB5 and then it became S4204 here in New Jersey and the 6699A in New York and now the PRO Act at the federal level, that's not what these people are doing. What these people are doing is trying to say, if you're not in an employee role, if you are not in a job that can be unionized, you shouldn't have the right to exist and earn a living. That's what this ABC test fight is about. And we're standing up and saying that is nonsense. Absolutely not. For, I mean, for me as a worker, I want to do that. Even if like workers, some workers that I don't, don't, don't follow this to the, to the, to the degree I do, but they do know I don't, <laughs> I like being an independent contractor. I have multiple income streams. I don't want to screw with anything. I like this, but honestly, why, you know, I mean, I can maybe understand if they think that, you know, imp- improper taxes are being paid. And obviously that's something that is being thought since now, if you sell a couch for $600, you're going to need to declare that. I mean, I've seen some really stupid legislation coming through lately where it's just like, we're going to have to claim every little thing. You, if you have a garage sale, if your kid has a garage sale or a lemonade stand that makes $600 and one, $601, he's got to claim it. I mean, this is just getting so over the top, but why would you not want everybody working? Why would you not? I mean, you're still taking in the taxes. I'm sure that there are people skirt tailing their taxes who are independent contractors. However, let's not forget that the the 1% and many corporations are skirt tailing all of the taxes in the big picture. I mean, all the professional writers I know are operate the way I do. We have accountants to make sure we're not messing up our taxes. We don't want to be audited any more than the next guy. And I live in New Jersey. You know, we pay taxes through the nose here in New Jersey for everything. So we ran into that argument when we tried to talk to the lawmakers here, too. Well, how do we know you're paying your taxes? I Well, look up my tax forms and look at the checks that I write every quarter. Of course, we're paying our taxes. So as you say, are there always going to be people who skirt the law? Yeah, it, it's human behavior. That, that's going to happen. But the, the notion that just because you're an independent contractor, you're also a tax cheat. I mean, that's just stupid. That's just vilifying people who don't deserve it. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And I, and I just but I just don't get it. I mean, you're talking about how they they're, you know, how they're they're willing to accept the fact that, well, you know, we may only be able to retain 10% of the workforce, but they're going to be unions. So we're good with that. Why wouldn't you want, fine, let those people who want to be union be union, but why wouldn't you want everybody working? Because you don't represent all the people. This is the thing we right, learned. We only represent one third of America. I'm sorry. That's I'm going to tell shrunk. you, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't really told this story publicly before, but this speaks to directly what you're talking about. When we went and spoke to the assembly sponsor of our AB5 copycat bill out here in New Jersey. So you had the Senate guy who made the air quotes and laughed in my face. Then we went and tried to talk to the assembly guy about the bill. He called me on the phone and said he wasn't going to discuss his own bill with me. And that if I wanted any changes, I had to go negotiate directly with the New Jersey AFL-CIO. And I thought the guy was kidding. Because that's like a constituent coming to you and saying, I have a problem with your gun control bill and the lawmaker saying, we'll go take it up with the NRA. Right. That's what this was. And 
I, I really thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. He set up the call and we were sent to go meet with the AFL-CIO. That's who's driving the bus. That's who's writing the bills. Their goal has nothing to do with the happiness of everyone, which is what lawmakers are supposed to be focused on. They're supposed to be focused on everybody possible to make everybody's lives as good as they can be. That's not what this is. This is people whose entire goal is to build unions and add dues paying members to unions. And the more independent contractors they can wipe out of the workforce, fine by then. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just blows my mind though. Cause what do they think we're going to do? I mean, well, <laughs> here, here, let me, let me put it, let me put it a little differently. The independent contractors I know, and I, and I mean, I don't, I'm sure that there's a ton of exemptions. So people don't take this the wrong way out there, but the independent contractors I know work harder than every, than anybody else I know because it's their businesses and they understand that they're not just going and punching a pay a, a paycheck and they don't care. They don't really give a crap of how the business does. As long as the doors stay open and they get their check, they're fine. Um, but they all go out and, and hustle. They go out. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot who don't. There's a lot who don't. But the ones I know go out and hustle. They have multiple streams of income. They're always working. They're, they're always running business in their head. Um, I mean we're hustling we're we're getting product out there we're taking care of all the needs of of businesses where are they going to go because these businesses can't employ everybody now stepping aside outside of the app based world even in, into more of like journalism and stuff like that i mean like the, like i've talked to journalists and stuff who you know even if they could be these newspapers are never going to they're not going to employ you nor do we want to be there. I, I right, had, I understand that, but yeah. they would, but they wouldn't anyway. No, those days are over. This was one of the things that Bina Duval said on your podcast that got my blood boiling. That she she knows tons of freelance writers who want to be full time professionals. Uh, I heard another person who adheres to these theories say it on a different podcast. This is one of their lines that they put out there. We are we have entire associations of professional freelance writers who choose this, who have chosen this for decades and are happier working this way. The, the, what happens is you get people who get laid off from a staff job who maybe didn't want to get laid off. And the business is failing. The layoffs are going to happen anyway, whether you like it or not. They got laid off. Now they're being forced to freelance. And they're terrible at it. They don't have the kind of entrepreneurial mentality that you just described of thinking about it like a business and, and actually getting up and, and working in your home office. They don't do that. They just, they, they get mad. They can only sell one article a month and they say freelancing is horrible and nobody should be allowed to do this ever. And our answer to that is just because you can't do it doesn't mean none of us can do it. Millions of us get up and do it every day and pay the mortgage this way. So, so take your AB5, ABC test laws and, and get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of my, my way of talking about that, which I do often on the podcast is like, don't throw a grenade in my system because it's not working for you because there's a lot of other tanks out there that you can go get in. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about the unions. I do not feel like I am at war with the AFL-CIO. I feel like the AFL-CIO has declared war on me. That is how this entire thing feels. And so for those who don't know, what, is, what if any, is the affiliation between them and the unions? Well, the AFL-CIO is the biggest federation of unions in the country. They represent 
what was the last number I saw? 12 and a half million workers, something like that. And they have an incredible amount of power because of that. They're the ones who end up on TV talking about this stuff. They're the ones who have been invited numerous times to the White House to talk about this stuff. Independent contractors aren't even in the Congress. We're not even welcome in the building, in these buildings. We're not invited. When the U.S. Senate Help Committee held the most recent hearing on the PRO Act, that will affect 59 million independent contractors, misclassifying millions and millions of us as employees. They didn't invite a single independent contractor to testify. Of course we not. We do not exist. We're the little air quotes joke that they're going to steamroll over while they do this. Well, hopefully not. I think that, you know, I think that all of our politicians are a hot mess, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of many. Well, the, you know, I try not to be political about it. The thing we learned. I try not to get political either. But. Right. The, the thing, I mean, there is the fact it's the Democrats sponsoring these laws. There's no way around that. That's just fact mm-hmm. um, because they get a lot of campaign contributions from the unions. It, it is just the right. way it is. But when you look at the people who are fighting against this, like if you look at our people out here in New Jersey or with the group we created called Fight for Freelancers USA, it's a lot of liberals and progressive Democrats who are members of these groups and who have risen up to fight these things and who are saying, hang on, hang on. I'm with you on a lot of things, but stop attacking my livelihood because that's not okay with me. So from my dog says hello, if you heard that that's, just now, okay. sorry about that. If um, my dog doesn't hear it, then <laughs> yeah. um, the, uh, what I'm, what I'm getting at is this is a nonpartisan resistance, if that's what you want to call it. Absolutely. Without question. I think that it gets built up like it's not. But if you go around and look, it absolutely is. You have independent voters, you have Democrats, you have Republicans, you have all of them, because no matter what their political views are, when it comes down to it, nobody wants to lose their income. Well, and 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 not told how to earn their income. Exactly. And not just nonpartisan, but the span of socioeconomic levels and uh, language speaking. I mean, when we went to testify against the AB5 copycat bill in New Jersey, I think they had three or four people there to testify on their side. One of them from the New Jersey AFL-CIO. One was the guy who sponsored the bill. They, they thought it was going to be a cakewalk getting that thing through. We filled that room and kept them there for more than four hours. And it was people mostly speaking in English. One woman spoke in Spanish, needed an interpreter, cried through her testimony in Spanish because she had become an independent truck driver because her boss wouldn't let her take her kid to work when the kid was sick. Um, You know, it was it was truckers, bakers, musicians, writers, newspaper people. It was these people who had never in a million years probably would would think of themselves as having a unifying cause. And suddenly we saw each other in that room and realized, wait a minute we're all in this together and we all have to stand. It doesn't matter whether you make 30,000 a year or 130,000 a year, whether you're white, black, brown, English speaking, Spanish speaking, whatever it is, all of us, all of us stood in agreement and, and raised our voices together. And ultimately we killed that bill. So with the AB five bill, when it first came out, I remember, I mean, it was like days, like in, because I remember one of the first things that really noticed to me because it was all of them. And I was, I, it, it didn't shock me. It just, I had to think about it and go, that makes sense. But every anesthesiologist is an independent contractor. And they were immediately like, excuse me, I'm not going to do 10 a year. I'm going to do a thousand a year. 
and you're not taking that away from me. And even before AB5 changed or morphed into 2257, and hopefully you can break that down a little bit, but they were just like, okay, before we even get into the write-offs, you're wrote off. There was like doctors, lawyers, some like very specialty niche people that were just written off before they even started the write-outs. Well, what I have learned, learned from right the carve-outs. What I have learned from my new friends in California, um, people like Karen Anderson, who runs the um, Freelancers Against AB5 Facebook group, people like um, Marissa Selby, Fred Tapel, uh, Alicia Grau. So all these people who created the um, the uh, California Freelancers United that went in and fought all, all these folks. What they figured out and taught me is what happened in the beginning was. People who had lobbyists and clout got exemptions. And if you broke it down, it was mostly professions dominated by high earning white men. Not not exclusively, but mostly. That's what happened because they either knew somebody who knew somebody who knew a senator or they were a member of some kind of a professional organization with a high paid lobbyist and they could go in and, and get those exemptions. Did you hear something different from that in the beginning? No, I just, it was like, you know, I have a, I have a lot of background in music. So I know a lot of musicians and stuff here in Denver and I've had them work through my bars. I, I know every local musician and even like national acts and I've done production work with some of the biggest. I named Elton John prior. I mean, I did Shania Twain in Europe for months. I mean, I've worked with some really heavy hitters and I have a real love for musicians. It took a long time for the musicians to get a carve out in California. And that made yeah. no sense to me. It's like, guys, by definition, a musician plays a lot of gigs. What are you talking about? I think about? they in, they coined the term gig work, right? They they were the gig, the original gig people. Yeah, I mean, right? I would say that's the original. That, that would be probably the first time like I knew the word gig was a band saying, we have a gig tonight. Right. So I'm obviously not a musician and I wasn't involved with any of that. I know there is a union of certain types of musicians in California. And they did work with Lorena Gonzalez directly to get it written the way they wanted it that would protect just them. But again, right. that falls into what we were talking about before is this isn't about actually helping everybody. This is about just very parochial protecting whatever the unions think is best for the unions. Um, and so what happened uh, was that happened. And then all these different kinds of people started to realize AB5 affected them too, right? I'm sure you've talked about this a million times on your yep. show. And that morphed into this cleanup bill that you just mentioned, where they had to add all kinds of new exemptions. And that noise, that noise that happened, that it was in the press, it was people calling their lawmakers, it was just everyday people making noise about how this was wrong, Prop 22 was happening, all of this noise was happening at the same time. Very similar to the kind of noise we made in New Jersey that stopped the bill. What had to happen was lawmakers realizing, wait a minute, this isn't just about Uber drivers. I thought I was signing a bill that was just about Uber driver. And I thought all the Uber drivers were exploited. What, what are these people talking? Why is Tim Robbins in the New York Times saying nonprofit theaters are being destroyed? What, what is going on here? What did we exactly. actually do? So it's the noise that matters. And, and that is the thing I've got to say. It made the difference here in New Jersey. We freelance writers, we're, we're nobody. We're not connected to any. We're just people. We, we'd never been politically active in our lives, but we we know how media works. We knew how to make noise. And we had the benefit of going second. California, I look at as a sneak attack against all of us independent contractors. New Jersey was the second and, one. And a wake-up call. 
Yeah. Um, what's that phrase that, that uh, people say? The first ones through the wall always get bloody, right? Always yeah. get bloody in any <laughs> war. We had the benefit of going second. And so we didn't have a lot of time to gear up. We didn't, you know, they, they were trying to punch it throughout here very, very quickly too, to avoid the noise. But because of what we do for a living, we were able to make enough noise that got people's attention. And I think that going forward, what we're trying to do at Fight for Freelancers USA is help everybody make noise because we now have writers from all over the country in that group who will for free help you write your own op-ed, write your own press release, tell you how to call a senator, figure out who your senator is. We figured out that the noise is what stops the craziness and, and it counteracts these kinds of silly narratives that people like Vina Dubal are going around spewing about, oh, it'll be wonderful and roses and you can work whenever you want and life will be beautiful. You know, no. So part of my interview with Vina, and this is, you know, I've, 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 I think I was discussing this either on the last podcast or with somebody maybe even off a podcast. I don't remember. Um, but was I, I know her passion is fully there. I know that she is extremely in all in with what what she believes but i felt like and i don't mean this mean to anybody but i felt like she was distancing herself a little bit from ab5 which was the first time that i felt that way ever was when i was talking to her because some of the questions she's like i didn't write it i didn't there was just a lot of i didn't or um and again it's not mean at her i'm just i'm just trying to get to the bottom of what the reality is there because i mean as I know it, she was one of the 75 drafters. I mean, even Wikipedia says this. You can look it up. So, I mean, she's one of the 75 people that were brought in to write AB5. But even after it was wrote, more importantly, she was a major catapult player, probably one of the biggest ones, to move AB5. So maybe 75 of them wrote it, but it seems like it really went into Vina's hands. I don't know if she was kind of, you know, I don't know if maybe, you know, she, I know her, again, I know her passion is fully there for, but it's there for so many causes now, way more than it used to be. Um, even though she's always believed in them, it's not just AB5 on her posts and stuff anymore. It's all these other causes and stuff going on too. So I don't know if she's trying to distance herself a little bit, or if you have any knowledge as to even what I'm talking about here. I do. And, but not from her, I can give you the perspective from New Jersey that helps make clear the big picture. This is what we've learned. We've now got fight for freelancers groups in California. Well, we work in tandem with some people in California, but we've got New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York. We all go into these meetings with lawmakers and we all come back together at fight for freelancers USA and figure out the talking points and what is happening in this big narrative. What you just described is one of the big picture things going on now. We heard it, I heard it personally from the top aide to a very powerful federal lawmaker from here in New Jersey uh, on a call we did with, with him on a Zoom. Um, what has happened is they have all watched what happened with AB5 and it is indefensible. It is not what its promoters said would happen. It is not what the people who wrote it said would happen. The result was an uprising of the California people who voted for Prop 22 and a sea of chaos in New Jersey and New York that embarrassed their lawmakers in the press. That's what actually happened. And so they are now saying nobody can defend AB5. But 
the unions are still pushing it. And now they want it at the federal level because they see who controls everything in D.C. right now. And they think this is their big chance. They don't want to have to fight it out state by state after watching what has happened the past few years, state by state. They want to try to do it all at once. So that's why you see it now showing up in the PRO Act. And in President Biden's very clearly stated agenda on his campaign website, we're going to make California pave the way. We're going to make the ABC test the basis for all labor, employment and tax law. He ran on it. And right. I'm sure the AFL-CIO wrote that line. So what you're hearing Dina Duval say when she's trying to distance herself is the same thing we're hearing lawmakers say when they're trying to distance themselves. They, they seem to feel like they have to vote for it to keep their campaign money rolling in because- the former head of the AFL-CIO who recently died, um, he it's in writing. You can Google it. He said, if you vote against this, don't come looking to us for help in your next campaign. We're not giving you a single dollar. We're not knocking on a single door for you. Um, it's over. This is what we want. So they feel beholden to these folks who helped get them elected. They feel like they have to vote for this, but they also have now seen the fallout from AB5 and they have figured out that those of us affected have the ability to make some real noise, including in places like the media. They don't like that. And it gives them great pause. And so you start to see people, I'm sure, like Vina Duval, starting to distance themselves. Oh, well, I wasn't really that involved. You know, you broke the vase. It's, it's, Which it's of the Brady just... kids vote the vase? The vase is broken. We can see it on the floor. You know, we can tell it's broken. One of the um, Brady kids is getting in trouble. I guess I guess it's just odd to me though, because her entire passion is this. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anyone who disagrees with the idea. I don't think you disagree, and I don't think I disagree. If there is a person who is actually misclassified and is being exploited and is working 60 hours a week on site for a single company and not getting employee benefits and things like workers comp and unemployment insurance that is wrong i feel very passionately about that too and we should be doing everything we can to stop that from happening starting by enforcing the laws we have now that aren't being enforced but ab5 these abc test laws they're saying that's what it's about, but that's not what these laws actually did. When this was put into practice in California, the first thing that happened was independent contractors losing their clients and their careers. Nobody can name a single union two years later that AB5 created. Nobody can show me a single company that hired a ton of new W-2 employees en masse. It didn't happen. It's a lie. It just, the sales pitch is a lie. So now they have to distance themselves from the sales pitch and keep putting forward these ideas that we're all somehow miserable and exploited and they're going to try to figure out a way to help us. Also a lot. So yeah, so they're trying to distance themselves now because they see what it actually did. And if you're a person who went around screaming, this is going to make everyone's life better, you have absolutely no evidence to show that that's true. But We Vina, have all the evidence. But Vina, isn't in, but Vina isn't in a public office. She's the the law professor at UC Hastings. I mean, she's not Lorena Gonzalez who has to do everything the unions tell her now that she got into bed with them. But you need the academics to push the legislation and get it going. So like I mentioned, that guy, David Wheel, who coined mm -hmm. the term Fishered Workplace and Vina then quoted him and on and on it went. David Wheel is currently President Biden's nominee to run the wage and hour division of the United States Department of Labor. 
his his confirmation is being held up in the United States Senate because the senators are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is Mr. AB5 and all kinds of other stuff. We we don't want this in the U.S. Department of Labor. No, 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 absolutely not. the, the, The true believers, what we have learned online and Twitter is just a crazy place where you meet so many just <laughs> let's call them colorful, colorful people <laughs> I've met on Twitter. One of the biggest proponents, uh, let me go back a step. All of a sudden this group pop when, when fight for freelancers started getting some juice and making all that media noise, it got to the point where like there was a story in CNBC about the AB five copycat bill. And it quoted three, I think the three primary people quoted were Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's running for president, Senate President Steve Sweeney here in New Jersey, and me. And this scared the heck out of our opponents that we were now getting into these kinds of conversations. Because again, their pitches don't work. Their narrative doesn't work if people like us are actually given a chance to respond and talk about our lives. So this group materialized out of nowhere on Twitter. And it was this very badly made, cheap looking website. It was called Freelancers for the Pro Act. La 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 la. It turned out to be an organization created by the Democratic Socialists of America. This is who was running this thing. And when you look at who is in this swirl of who actually wants this and and thinks it's great, it's organizations like that who are buying into the things that that the Vina Duval types are saying and are retweeting it and and pushing it and promoting it. And so it's not that there's no constituency of believers there. It's just that the constituency of believers is this extreme kind of constituency that has a a fairly loud voice right now because of what's going on in our national politics. Um, But it's not as if no one agrees with her there are people who agree with her and think, you know, when I got into it with one of those folks on Twitter, they told me, well, this was this ABC test in the pro act. This is the way we get the green new deal. And I said, well, spell that one out for me. I I don't understand what you're talking about. And they said, well, if the first thing we do is get as many independent contractors out of the workforce as possible, then the machinery of the corporations can't run unless all the unionized workers agree to do it. So then we can shut down all the factories and the companies in America because it'll be all unionized people now. And we can keep them shut down by going on strike until the lawmakers give us what we really want, which is the Green New Deal. They were completely serious. I thought I was listening to an Austin Powers villain lay out their evil plan, right? With the pinky up against the cheek. Yeah, yeah. This This was their actual thinking. So it's not that there's no constituency of people who believe they're bringing us into this brave, wonderful new world by pushing this kind of stuff. It's that the vast majority of us living here in reality in the year 2021 are going, you people need to go get some, you know, Kool-Aid and sit down and (laughs) take a moment to take a a breath. That's what's going on. Are you saying Kool-Aid or (laughs) Kool-Aid? <laughs> they need to cool it. It's, it's, it's just okay. this, is, this is not what most everyday people want. It's just not. I mean, even if you talk to rank and file union members, not the bosses hanging out with the politicians, but the rank and file union members just in your own neighborhood. And they say, do you think this should happen where you can't have your own business? They say no. They, they're with us. The rank and file agree with us on this. Right. Now, when Prop 22 went to vote, 
in November last year. Um, a lot, even people I know who are independent contractors in Marin County, let's say one of my very best friends is a, is a six figure earner. He owns a computer consulting company. I was telling him about all this because he knew of the podcast. He's like, Hey, what was that thing you were telling me about AB five or something? And he's a very smart person. And this is like a month before the election <laughs> or before the vote. And he's like, cause I just got my thing and I gotta, I gotta decide this. He's like, I feel like, and he's, he's, you know, he's middle of the road. And he's like, he's like, I feel like I'm voting with Uber to say yes on 22 and big corporations. He's like, but I also feel like I have to, I'm like, you do have to. I'm like, if you, unless you don't, unless you want to be some kind of, I don't even know how they deal with you, you know, computer consultant guy, like how the unions would handle you. But unless you want to be under so much control and basically lose your business, you have to. And I think a lot of people were confused. But I mean, right now I'm looking at the vote count. I mean, it was it was, you know, out of 17 million votes approximately, you know, 10 million of those were yes, that they did want Prop 22, which was a bill that even all of us or I'm not in California, but everybody in California that I know grinded their teeth while they checked. Yes. Well, again, even though they is- wanted it. They yeah. were like, oh, like they just hated what was behind it. It's but because of the media to. narrative. It's the media narrative that has been set up, right? That that it's the big corporations versus the little guy. Whose side do you want to be on? That's it. That's the choice, right? In reality, we all understand that's not actually what's going on. I mean, there's elements of that going on, but people who choose independent contractor work we are not Jeff Bezos. I don't have, I don't know about you. Do you have a billion dollar? I don't have a, I even nah, one billion. Not right now. Not even one billion. <laughs> not on right? me. Not on me either. <laughs> I drive a 2010 Honda CRV and I mow my own lawn. So yeah, not Jeff Bezos. But the narrative that gets set up in the press and that you're going to see again and again and again that we saw out here was we've got to fight these big corporations that are exploiting everybody. And at the end of the day, Many of us who are not being allowed into the conversation are going, wait a minute, I'm not being exploited. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I chose this and I'm happy doing this. So again, I go back to call your lawmakers, let us help you write an op-ed or a letter to the editor, because until our voices become part of that conversation, that narrative is going to persist. We had to bust through that narrative here in New Jersey too. When we told lawmakers that freelance writers and editors can earn over $100,000 a year, they looked at us like we were from Mars. They had never heard of such a thing. How could people like us even exist? It was astonishing to them. So why are they so surprised when since I mean, my dad was self-employed when I was born in Michigan. You know, he owned, you know, uh, properties. He owned restaurants. He owned all kinds of he had his hands in all kinds of things. So self-employment's been around forever. Why are they shocked that there's in this new technical age, there's a new way to do things. And it's still just self-employment. Same thing you guys have been dealing with forever. I can't answer that question. I mean, even right before the pandemic hit was when this was going down in New Jersey. Some of these people didn't even know how to do a Zoom meeting at that point. And we're all like, we've been doing these video calls for, I don't even know how long, this is how people function in, in our world. And just their, their complete detachment from the reality of how people can what what you actually can do with a good laptop and a decent cell phone nowadays what that you can actually run an entire business 
that way from anywhere you want to be, go sit on a beach. I don't you know, do whatever you want to do. This was, this was beyond them. That becomes part of my, my point. And the issue here with me on this is that I don't understand how you can be in a position to be doing any kind of decision-making along this, unless you fully understand tech and where it's at. I mean, you, you really need to, you need to have your, your, your ability to make laws and everything pulled until you understand what you're ruling against here, because technology is here. And if you're one of those old schoolers, who's just like, like my dad passed away years ago, but um, you know, he never once, and he always was, he was respected in the community. He was a great guy. He, he had great businesses, but he never once touched a computer. He called him dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he lived, he lived, he, he passed away in 2012. So he was around through a lot of mainstream computer stuff too. Everybody that worked for him was on computers and he was buying the computers for them. He did not have one. Didn't like him. Didn't get it. He would, he never even touched one. Okay. You know what? His brain is probably less scrambled than mine is. (laughs) I almost respect him for it, but I got to say like. To never have to be on Twitter. Think of that. Oh, that would just be fantastic. He just said, you know, everything can be done in person. This is stupid. Well, I will say this. Here's what I can say to that about the lawmakers, not your father, but about the lawmakers. To their credit, we met almost 100% of the Republicans we met and quite a few of the moderate Democrats we sat down with in private where they didn't have to show it in person. Once we talked to them for five or 10 minutes, they were with us. They understood what we were saying. They they very clearly could see that we were not exploited people being paid two dollars and fifty cents an hour and, you know, that we understood what we were talking about. And then if they wanted to get into the intricacies of the legislation, we were prepared for that and we could do it articulately. So if you can actually get in the room or get something published that they read or get on a podcast that they listen to or, or anything like that, get call into a radio show. We were doing that, too, here in New Jersey. They, they, their ears perk up. They start to go, oh, wait a minute. That sounds like my neighbor, Joe or, or Janet or whoever, yes. you know, instead of this, instead of having this narrative persist in their heads that it's just these giant evil corporations versus the little guy. That's not a correct narrative. The fissured workplace is not a correct narrative. These are just, these are just angles being spun to try to get lawmakers to vote for something that is harmful to the majority of people it will affect. I agree. And I want to, I want to ask something about Lorena Gonzalez. So this might stir, stir you a bit or something. I don't know, but um, I've been kind of ever the last few weeks I've been talking about the supply chain a little bit on the podcast. Um, Who's not right. Yeah. I mean, but in California, you can't go to the docks and work them if you're not a union driver. So, you know, you've got 60% of the drivers in California can't even go and help restock the supply chain because they own their own rigs. They're probably some of the hardest workers out there. And I'm not diminishing that I'm sure there's good union truckers too. However, unions have a lot of flexibility to take your time and whatever um you know but these people aren't even being giving a temporary okay which first of all shouldn't even have to be let's say that you know i mean first of all there shouldn't be an ab5 they should be able to go down there and restock us two to three times quicker than we will be 
instead of a year out, maybe we could be restocked in three months. Well, right now, technically, my understanding is AB5 is not preventing the owner-operator truckers in California, right? It's, it's well, I'm going hearing mixed on that, so I'm not sure. What, what I know, I know on paper, let's talk about reality versus on paper. I know okay. on paper, the truckers sued immediately after AB5. They were one, the writers sued, the truckers sued, Uber sued, everybody sued, right? Right. The truckers had multiple lawsuits winding their way through all the various courts. And right now, they're at the point where they are petitioning for the United States Supreme Court to hear their case. They, they won a temporary injunction, meaning AB5 could not be enforced against them. Legally, they could continue to operate. But in order to make that permanent, they have to go win in a big court. And they're still trying to do that. Now, that's on paper, right? If you think about reality, I'm hearing the same thing you're hearing, which is between everybody knowing what's coming with AB5 if the truckers lose in court. And I think it's called the CARB standards about they had to buy new trucks that were mm-hmm. more environmentally friendly. And this, that, and the other thing involving all the various laws in California, in reality, what's happening is truckers leaving or not being able to go work. That's what I've been hearing too. But right. I know on paper, AB5 is not technically the problem right now. Right. And, and that's what I was going to say. It might come down to the fact of, you know, who knows? It might even be just numbers that they're looking at like, okay, yeah, it says I can operate, but XYZ means I'm only going to make this and that's I'm not going to do that. I used well, to this make is, this. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to do this. This is the same thing that happens with the writers in California where uh, Lorena Gonzalez was running around saying, we've got this business to business exemption. And if if they satisfy, what was it, like a dozen criteria, some ridiculous list of things, well, then then the employer will not be fined for breaking the law. Well, if you're a publisher looking that way, on earth would you take the chance and use a writer in California? Of course, you're not going. You're, even though by the letter of what's on paper, you may technically still be able to work, you're not going to get any work. You're too big of a risk, too that's, big of a potential. You know, I think Lisa Rothstein, when I had her on the podcast, said it best. She said, I, I, we were talking about the same thing, and she and maybe it wasn't truckers, but we were talking about the same topic, and she was like, overnight, we became toxic to the exactly world. Exactly right. It's exactly right. <laughs> She's like, no people that I worked with in Florida didn't want to touch me. It's exactly right. And it wasn't even the fact of they knew, Oh, X, Y, Z are going to, are going to hurt me if I do. It's, it was that they were like, listen, I don't know what'll happen if I work with you. And it could be very big fines, very, very big fines. Right. But I mean, this is even, I think before the fine amounts were established, they were just like in this unknown of, but it was still scary enough. It was like, I don't know. I just know I can't work with you right now. Well, this is why we're screaming about the PRO Act, right? If you listen to both sides, the the Republican lawyers and the Democrats. So there was a Republic, a Democratic former chairwoman in the National Labor Relations Board came out and said the best case scenario, if AB5 passes, it was reported on Yahoo News. She said, this is the Democrat, said the best case scenario is it's going to be years of lawsuits and fighting to try to figure out this stuff. The former Republican chairman of the National Labor Relations Board came out and said, overnight, these people will not be able to maintain the relationships they've had in their businesses for years. Overnight, it'll happen. Now, if you look, the PRO Act is not identical to AB5. There's a whole conversation we can have about that. But the goal of getting the ABC test into federal law through the PRO Act is identical to AB5. It's it's step one in the three-part plan they've laid out to do it. And so... If you think about it that way, 
if you're a company that hires independent contractors and this bill gets through, it's no different than what's happening in California right now. What these experts are saying at the federal level is exactly what's happening in California right now, where the best case scenario is legal fighting and cleanup bills and all this drama. The worst case scenario is people just stop working and P.S. the whole supply chain goes down, not to mention all this other stuff, right? I look at reality. I don't know about anybody else listening right now, but I live in the real world. (laughs) These people are living in fantasy land. So I guess my question about directly about Lorena though becomes no matter where I know that she's in San Diego, I know she's an assembly woman, but no matter where your district, no matter what the the major base is around there, how is she keeping this position? I know that she's union baited. I know, I mean, I know that she's union sponsored. I know she wanted to be AG of California. She might still, I don't know. That's a scary thought to me. Um, me too. Um, but I know that maybe that was part of the ladder of, you know, hey, we're the unions. We'll get you up to there. However, how is she getting elected? I mean, the supply chain alone is even, it's got everybody uproared. I mean, these some of these are starting to become commonalities between crossing party lines. And that's why I don't like getting political, but I need to say this because there are people crossing lines to go, listen, enough with this, with certain things. Yeah. So I don't know California politics well enough to know how her district is drawn, but the the way they make the outlines, the borders of where the different districts are that lawmakers represent, that game, there's been tons of reporting about this for years all over the country. That game is rigged. So there are certain districts that are so entrenched for either Republicans or for Democrats. It doesn't matter really who the candidate is. That person's going to win. But to your point about people on both sides now saying, wait a minute, what the heck is going on at this point? We just had an election here in New Jersey. We're taping this less than a week after the uh, early November election (laughs) here in New Jersey, where it was widely reported that our governor who wanted the AB5 copycat bill was going to win by somewhere between eight and 12 points. He's going to be lucky if that turns out to be three. The the Mr. Air Quotes, the lead sponsor of the AB5 copycat bill in here, he lost in, in a shocking upset to a furniture delivery trucker who I, lo- I think I lo- spent I like a thousand great. bucks on his campaign or something. I thought it was great. I thought it was karma. It's karma. <laughs> I wrote on Facebook, I did this big thread about it. And I told the air quotes story or on Twitter, I wrote this big thread on Twitter with the air quotes story. And I ended with, you know, people like me trying to talk to you and you're ignoring us. We may be rough around the edges, but karma's a way bigger bitch that you're up against now. That's what's happening. I mean, I guess that's my question. So I know that, you know, again, won't get political that, you know, voting will be coming up in the next year or whatnot. But like, if there was a vote tomorrow, even though all these times she's taken that district, do you honestly believe that even California people would get her back in there? Sure, I do, especially if her district is drawn in a way that Where very it's all heavily favors, yeah, or very heavily favors Democratic registered voters. Of right. course, she could still win. Um, but I'm wondering, that's what I'm wondering is even the Democrats have to be like, hey. Well, this is the thing we were talking about in New <laughs> Jersey, right? I would love to be able to sit here and tell you that it was our issue and us standing up to that guy, Steve Sweeney, that helped to bring him down last Tuesday. I don't think that's true. I think that what we did 
weakened him a bit in the public eye and in the eyes of his colleagues in the New Jersey state legislature that he lost his one of his signature pieces of legislation failed because of a bunch of women with laptop computers and sweatpants in their living rooms took them down. You know, I think all that helped a couple of years ago. But our issue, it's not on anybody's front burner. Maybe in California, it's different. And AB5 is still in the headlines all the time. But this is like they're still in sneak attack mode. I know that to people like us, we talk about this all the time and we feel like this is very prominent in our lives. I'm sick of this being prominent in my life. I don't know, but I mean, it's enough already. But (laughs) However, I have brought light to a lot of people who don't live in California who in the beginning when I was doing it, we're like, what is this you're right. talking about? And now they get it. And they and when I do something, they do want to know. But do you think they, most people are walking into a voting booth and, and making this, this connection in their heads? Lorena Gonzalez, AB5. I don't think most people are, are necessarily walking into a voting booth and, and thinking that way. Maybe not AB5, but um, what's up with the supply chain? Well, that's what they're saying just hit New Jersey and Virginia, right? In the last election. You know, I'm just saying, like, yeah. now it's like, okay, listen, you know, we backed you blindly, but now we can't have Christmas gifts, or I do think a lot and there's of a way to solve that, but you don't want to. PS, do- my first oil bill of the winter just came and it's out of control, and I'm shopping for Thanksgiving food, and the bill is through the roof, and you know, gas prices are going out insane. All, Every, all of these, and, yeah, I mean, all of these things, not to mention all the craziness at the school board meetings about how are we going to teach race in the classroom? Like all this stuff is, is, yeah, I have a, I have a 15 year old sophomore in high school. So, um, we are, think, our, our, his school doesn't go like that. And, you know, we don't get, we try and, I mean, I, as far as I've ever seen, we don't get political, you know, it's not like that out here. Actually, our board actually listens. I don't think it was really like that out here, but I know it came up in my school board meetings became a little rough um, yeah. with that stuff. I'm sure so, the media blew certain areas out of proportion, made it look like all of America, though. I mean, pretty yeah, much, I'm, you know, I'm like you, right? I'm not a political consultant. <laughs> I don't have expert polling data in front or any of this right. kind of stuff. I just know the woo woo that I sense in the air all around me with my friends who are Democrats, my friends who are Republicans and my friends who are independents, which is mm-hmm. I'm exhausted this past couple of years has been just epically disastrous on levels I didn't know were possible. I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired. I'm at this point ready to vote for whoever I think is best in a position to make it stop. That's the vibe I sense. That's why I think Virginia and New Jersey went the way that they did. Whether that hits a state like California, I don't know. But again, New Jersey very true blue. Democrats control everything. And they came extremely close to losing it. And they did lose a lot of their seats in the legislature, including their most powerful guy, Mr. Air Quotes, Steve Sweeney, yeah. <laughs> who, was, uh, who was the subject of a nice joke on Saturday Night Live and is now on National Punchline. So that's how that worked <laughs> out for him. So here is here. Here's my last question for you. And it's, it might be kind of it might be kind of tough. Um, <laughs> if you could have one hour where any where the person was going to completely be involved in a conversation with you regarding all of this going on everywhere whichever piece of it you picked who would you sit in the room with who would you pick that person to be that you would talk with for an hour and that was really going to listen to you nobody else no exterior and what would you say 
You mean to try to stop this ABC test crazy or train? To sol- yeah, to solve it, to whatever. At this point, where we are, jump in. Today, on November 8th, 2021, that person would be President Biden because he has packed the National Labor Relations Board with union lawyers who are going to use this ABC test. You know, I bet my house on it. He has installed a labor secretary who is a former union organizer who has tweeted now more than 80 times in support of unions and not once about independent contractors. He has said, I don't even know how many times in his speeches that he's going to be the most pro-union president in the history of the country. He co-wrote op-eds with the head of the AFL-CIO when he was running for office. And I don't actually think he's a person who intends harm to the rest of us. I think he's a person who grew up in an era when if you were in a blue collar community, like he always talks about his background. Yeah, he's from from Scranton. He's blue collar. If you were in the union, your family was doing a little better than the family next door. And so in his mind, this fissured workplace narrative makes sense. We have to get back to what I remember working when I was coming up. And I would like to explain to him why the fissured workplace narrative does not make sense in the year 2021 and that people like me are not exploited and that I am all for trying to help truly exploited people. And if they want to form unions, more power to them. If they're company employees, go for it, knock yourself out, but stop turning people like us into collateral damage. The tens of millions of independent contractors in this country do not deserve it. And once we understand what you're doing, we are angry about it. And I will not speak for anyone else, but I can tell you that I personally am voting on it now mm-hmm. because I nothing else matters to me if I can't pay my mortgage at the end of the day. That's right. it. That's right. it. You've we can a, fight about all a, the you've rest. You've built a life. You've built a career. You don't yeah, want you want to fight about critical race theory, abortion, all the things, you know, the wedge issues. Everybody's, sure, let's fight about that too. But- <laughs> At the end of the day, I have to be able to pay for the heat this winter. And I cannot do that if you pass these ABC test laws. I'm 49 years old. A, I don't want a full-time job. B, who's going to want me? After 20 years as an independent contractor, I'm like a... I'm like a feral dog in the wild and they want to turn me into an indoor cat. You know, <laughs> it's not going to work out. Well, well it, for shouldn't, it shouldn't even be like that, though. It shouldn't be like who's going to want me. I'm by the way, I'm the same age. <laughs> We're both that age. And I mean, I would think that if I, you know, if I needed to, I could go out and get a job actually pretty easy right now. Very but would easy. it be the lifestyle you've built No, and in fact, the this money is, that you get. In fact, this is what I've built is not having to do this. Yeah. And I make more money this way. And I only work with people who treat me with respect at this point in my career. I don't have any of the sexist nonsense anymore. And God forbid, I do have a bad day with the PTSD. Like I, I had an incident a couple of years ago. I was walking my dogs along one of our park trails and I came across a guy who had fallen off his bike. He was having a heart attack. Um, And I called 911 and it, Long story short, he died right in front of me, turned blue and died. And that triggered my PTSD. And I had a rough week or two of nightmares and not being able to sleep. And when that happens, I love that I'm my own boss. I love that if I need to sleep in the middle of the afternoon because I had nightmares last night, I can do that and still earn a living. There is no amount of money that I, I would take to give that up ever. Right. 
and and again it goes back to you know when they break down you know well how much are you making hourly and all that i really can't do that because i work way too much to do it that way i mean i do work for myself and yet i've worked salary positions like we said and it's different when you're salary for somebody else and you think that's a good amount of money and then they find out that they kind of own you in a way but when it's yourself it's different i don't cons- i don't clock in all my hours because some of them I just, I'm like, I got to type one thing out real quick and then I'll spend three hours doing something. You know, I just, and even those of us who do keep track of what we make an hour, I don't charge by the hour, but let's say I'm charging somebody 1500 bucks to do a project, Mm -hmm. whatever number it is, let's call it 1500 bucks. I will sometimes keep track of how long it takes me to do that work so that I can make sure I'm setting my project fee high enough. And I can guarantee you, there is never a per hour number in my personal spreadsheet that's less than $100. I just won't do the project. That's the way it works. And I'm thankfully good enough at what I do and have made enough connections over the years for what I do that I'm able to achieve that. Why shouldn't I be allowed to do right. that? But also the clocking of hours is a, is a difficult concept because if I came to you and I'm the Miami Herald, let's say, and I come to you and I say, I want you to write a piece on AB5, you've already put in so much time with AB5 that what you'll put in for that piece does not equate to the time that you put in. It's true. Um, And in that case, we actually discussed this with one of the lawmakers in New Jersey. I do some writing about the dog business just because I'm interested in the dog. How do we get rescue and purebred dogs into our lives? And what does that supply chain look like? And I did a very big page one Sunday print edition story about this for the Washington Post a couple of years ago. And it took a lot of work. And the lawmaker asked me what I got paid. And when I told him, he said, that seems a little low. And I said, but don't you understand? This is the kind of thing that leads to a book deal that leads to a movie deal. I look at this as something I know a lot about. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me some time to do it. I want to do it. I want that front page byline. And now I'm going to spend a bunch of time and effort turning it into something else. This is how it works. And he understood it. Uh, In his profession, they knew what a loss leader was, which is when you put a little deal out in public and say, you know, for whatever, for a dollar, come on in. And then you hope they buy something for $15 when they're there. Mm -hmm. Same exact concept. Uh, I think that people who just think purely, are you making $15 an hour? They don't understand what we're talking about with any of that kind of stuff. Not even a little bit. And my, and my reply to that, to them, and I, I try and never be mean about it, but I'm, especially today, this day and age, to the people who say, I want $15 an hour and I and I want healthcare. I'm like, walk out your door, go to the right or the left, walk a block. You'll have a job. You can probably start tonight. $15 an hour in healthcare is not something you can't go out and find today. Yeah. I don't know what the cost of living is where you live, but where I live, $15 an hour is not going to pay the mortgage no, either. I mean, That's I'm, in, not- I'm in Denver. We're kind of, we've had a half of California move here since all this. And so, I mean, we even have like joking signs about, we don't want you stay <laughs> out, <laughs> you know, like, I it's mean, a, really, it's a, you know, obviously for people who are being exploited, who are being taken advantage of, who are walking around with whatever, three bucks an hour at the end of the day, $15 an hour is going to feel like a sea change. And we cannot be, um, we, we cannot ignore that that is the reality for some people right now in the country. But does the fact that there are cases like that mean we should 
end all legal independent contractor work in the country and for people in their area of expertise. I, I just don't see how any reasonable person makes that leap once they understand what these ABC test laws really do. Well, here and here's another example for the app-based community anyway, what I get in response a lot of times. So I've kind of stopped asking it because I feel bad when they this is where we have to get into it a bit because they say they say, well, no, I want the AB5 way where I can stay working for Uber, work when I want, and make $15 an hour in healthcare. And I'm like, that's not a real thing. That's that's never going to happen. You're never going to be able to get $15 an hour just for being on the app and dodging, not accepting calls. Well, again, I come back to any kind of company. One of the biggest expenses you control is labor and when people work, how people work and how much you pay them. Anybody who thinks you're going to maintain your current way of working as an independent contractor, if you are turned into an employee, my guess is they've never actually worked as an employee. They just don't understand what it means. That's not what it means. That's not how it goes. And yes, mm-hmm. certain employers have moved a little with flex time, as you, as you said, when we started talking, that's happened. But there is no place, as you say, in the world where it's just, well, come in whenever you want, do whatever you please. I don't know anyone anywhere who has that job. So, and I, I, I want the, and so I did, I did forget. I have one last question. <laughs> I have one last question. And here you sure is. you're not a freelance journalist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is a very serious question that I was going to ask to Vina when we, when we had our follow-up, but, um, and it's, it's not, it's not to make a mockery of anything. I really do want to know. Has AB5 created any jobs? I sure have not seen any reporting that shows that. I've seen a handful of stories about a handful of people who went W-2. I have not seen any story about any company en masse hiring a bunch of people to be W-2 workers. And I've got to tell you, as a person who follows the media narrative on this literally every day, seven days a week, if those stories existed, they would be in the media because Absolutely. the people pushing these laws would be insisting that they get written. The stories don't exist. There are some extremely pro-labor writers on staff at the Los Angeles Times. Um, they did a glowing profile of Lorena Gonzalez on page one. They've written about the PRO Act and how great it is and AB5 and how great it is. If they had examples of companies on mass, hiring all the former independent contractors as W-2, those stories would exist and they don't. Nope. It just doesn't exist unless you're the mayor of fantasy land and you're writing for that newspaper. I mean, this is a question I've asked. I asked Lisa, I asked Gail, I ask a lot of different people. And and actually, sometimes I get a laugh before the response, <laughs> honestly, because and, and usually they don't even give an answer like you. They're just like, no. Not, <laughs> the answer not, is not no. a one, not a single one. And I've well, and the follow up question is the the correct follow up question is please name a single union that was formed because of AB five. You keep telling us the whole point is good union jobs. Please name a single union. I will wait. Well, that's even what I've wondered is you know is the is there even union membership growing? Is anything happening? To the, the only pros, to the pro side of AB five that we should know about. 
Because I don't see, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it either. And I'm looking for it and I don't see it. And And I do too. I try, like I try and have both sides on the podcast. I am looking for it. I'm looking to see why people bite at all on this. Anybody. Yeah. Now I'm I'm looking for the proof since you passed it. Where is the the only evidence we have of anything is the independent contractors getting hosed. And we can prove that all day long if they'll actually listen. But again, this whole mentality of we don't exist comes into play there. We we took a meeting with the Senate spot, the United States Senate sponsor of the PRO Act. We met with her top legislative person on this. And we she said, we have seen no evidence of any harm to independent contractors from AB5. Haven't seen any. There's been no problems at all, which we all know is delusional. Right. But we said, OK, if we were to send you the proof, would you take a look? Sure. Here's my email address. So we all got together through Fight for Freelancers USA, and we all started emailing this legislative aid in the Senate, all of the proof of the damage that AB5 has caused, particularly to independent contractors. And the emails didn't go through. And I'm checking the address. Did we get this wrong? Do we have a typo in the email? No. She already knew she wasn't going to be in that job. A few days later, she'd been hired to move over to the White House, to the U.S. Department of Labor, where she is today. In the mm-hmm. same department where they're trying to put Mr. Fisher workplace, David Wheel. This is the people who are driving the bus on this stuff. Reality is not a factor in their thinking. We are not a factor well, it's in gonna their be, thinking. But it's going to become one because, I mean, again, we're not talking political, but, but, but all sides, no matter where you sit with your political views, this whole concept is not, I mean, you can't look at this. If you have any understanding of all this, you can't look at this and not see failure. Completely. And again, this is why we urge everybody, call your lawmakers, tell them who you are, tell them how you are. They probably have no idea how you earn a living. Um, If you don't know how to write a letter to the editor or an op-ed, come to our Facebook group at Fight for Freelancers USA. We have nothing but writers. We will help you. (laughs) We will help you write whatever you want to write so that you sound great in, in the media. We know how to do this. It worked in New Jersey. We know this, we know this playbook because it worked when we raised our voices. So that is our entire message. And and I hope that's what people take away from our conversation today is I know that you probably don't have a lot of freelance writers who listen to your show. I think, you know, I think I've got some more outside of the normal gig economy lately who do listen because we've had some episodes, you know, I had an episode on trucking. Um, Which is with, great with a yeah. with a trucker who taught us like how you, how to become one and how to skip the you know letting a company pay for your school that you don't need well, that. That's so scam. you're trying to do the same thing we're trying to do, which is we're out there trying to say, look, we're on to this now. We see you. We see you're in the same boat we're in. We want you to see us. We want you to make sure that you see us because we think we can bring something to this fight that maybe you can't bring on your own. And we know that it works because it worked in New Jersey. We stopped so, the bill. Is this an open group on Facebook or is this one of the crazy groups where people get kicked out for saying a word or? Well, I'm one of the admins of the group. Did I sound crazy to you today? No, not at all. I'm just, <laughs> no. You know what I mean? You know how Facebook what, can What go. I will say is we are a bipartisan. We have Republicans, Democrats, and independents. And one of our rules of the Fight for Freelancers USA Facebook group is no political bashing. So- if you want to write, so some of the basic stuff. I, I mean, that makes sense. If you want yeah. to write, how great is it that Steve Sweeney just went down after trying to destroy our lives in New Jersey? Probably nobody's going to stop you. But if you're just going to come on there and do the general 
political ranting that we see everywhere else. We shut that down immediately. We don't allow it in the comments. And if you outside of that, anybody's open to come into the group. Absolutely. And we have people who are not writers, all kinds of people, musicians, truckers. We have some uh, Uber people, some online teachers. We have graphic artists. We have we have all kinds of photographers. All, you name it. We've got interpreters. It. Um, yeah. Non-profit, the translators. Nonprofit opera houses. Everybody who has <laughs> figured out that this affects them. There's a couple thousand of mm-hmm. us there working together to try and figure out how to raise our voices and to try and make sense of when something pops up in California or something pops up in New York, or something pops up in New Jersey, well, wait a minute, What this has got to be part of the bigger plan somehow. Let's try to figure out what's going on so we can we can speak out against it. It helps to have that kind of, dare I say, organization. The unions would bite their tongue, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. what they have done. They have, they have, they always talk about solidarity. They have created a kind of solidarity I have never seen in my lifetime among independent contractors by attacking us all this way. Yeah. Right. But almost backwards because it's solidarity amongst ourselves with others who are doing it. Against them. Yes. Against them. We are united against stopping this madness of the ABC test. I'm going to put all the links that you want to provide me, your website, the freelancers, the the group to Facebook. But is there a, to, to end here was, is there a couple that or a, a one single one or a couple that you want to plug that people should go to and get some information? Well, the, the main group that I'm a part of is on Facebook and that's fight for freelancers USA. If you just type in fight for freelancers, I, even, I was even us. talking about, cause I'm going to put all that in the show notes. Okay. But I meant like, even is there a website to go to that kind of is the overview that you send a lot of people to that just kind of breaks the generics down without feeling like there's a thousand links and I don't know where to go on here. And we, we built it. I personally built it and we wrote it and it's called fight for freelancers, USA.com. And it gives an overview of here's what the ABC test is. Here's what the legislation is. Here's what to do. And if you want to learn more, here's a bunch of links, but you don't have to click on them. Right. I've been to that website and that's what I thought you were going to say. So I was, I was hoping because I think that one's pretty easy to get on there and say, okay, wait, this is me. Right. <laughs> that was our intent. That was okay. our intent. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it it helps when you get paid to use words for a living with some of this stuff, right? Well, Kim, thank you for coming on. Um, I really appreciate that. And I know that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the listeners really do appreciate it too, because a lot of them have started getting like, they're starting to hear about it now in other States, even though I've been talking about it for a while, they're now starting to hear about it. And they're like, is this going to affect me? I'm like, it's going to affect everybody if we don't, if it doesn't end. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I look forward to meeting all my new friends, either on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever they want to come and find us or on the website. We're it's, it's like a never end. It's, it's my entire day now when I'm not doing my real work. This is what I'm doing now. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe in, in a, in a month or so, or after, right after the new year, I can get like, uh, maybe get the gig worker collective on here. You, some other, some opposing voices and just kind of mediate it. Cause nobody seems to want to sit in the same room and talk. I'm happy to sit in a room with anybody and talk. And I've right. been in some of the hostile rooms and I'm still willing right. to go back. I'm just talking. That's what I'm talking about. People just talking, not being hostile. Just t- let's have a discussion, people. And let's have yeah. some questions and have them answered. And then the other side do the same. You know, I mean, let's let's do that so that people hear this being talked out because it's easy to go listen to one side and jump on that boat. 
it's difficult to listen to both sides. I mean, I can't. If you can get Vina Duval to come on, I would be thrilled to come on and I will not scream and yell. You have my word. I will speak in this tone, (laughs) but bring it on. I'm ready. I'm up to speed now. Now I understand what's happening. Let's do this. You want to fight? Okay, let's fight. (laughs) Okay, well, hopefully it wouldn't be a fight. I was just looking for more (laughs) of a discussion where people can listen and understand. And hey. hear the and even hear the people that they believe in and what they're saying, and then the questions being proposed to them and go, well, wait, that makes sense. I want an answer to that. As somebody said to me when we were fighting in New Jersey, we come out of the womb out here knowing how to throw a punch. We don't want to be in a fight <laughs> with you either. But if you're going to attack our livelihoods, right. yeah, I'll go toe-to-toe with you and I can be polite about it, but I know how to throw a punch <laughs> and I'm, I'm prepared now to have that conversation. So let's yes. have that conversation. Again, thank you, Kim, for coming on. And uh, I look forward to you know having you back when maybe there's a better, when the time is right, when there's something happening that we need to talk about. So until then, I'll see you guys on Twitter at the Kim Cavan. I'm there every day. See you there. Yeah. And again, make sh- and I will put all the links in the show notes, guys. I'll put her Twitter handle. I'll put her website. I'll put the Facebook room. As long as she sends all this to me, I'll put it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you're not going to vanish and go work for someone else and your no, email no, no, will no. stop working. Good. Okay. We're in good shape. Okay. Thank you. So that was uh, a big piece of information to take in. Um, Hopefully you guys all took in lots of it. I mean, there was lots in there. Um, She talked about specific bill numbers, uh, like in Massachusetts, the H1234. Um, You know, she talked about New York. She talked about Jersey's. She talked about uh, Washington. She talked about California. Um, Kim has a very good read on all this, and she's been very active in, as you can tell from the interview, in in stopping a lot of this um, and really fighting for us independent contractors. So um, it was a lot of fun to have Kim on. Um, I know that piece ran long. It should interest all of you because this is the one that kind of brings it all together. And, you know, to anybody who wonders, you know, what the credentials are here, um, I finally can say this on Rideshare Rodeo. Our credentials for talking about AB5 and the PRO Act are We've had on Willie Solace Gig Collective. We've had Vina Duval, the um, UC Hastings professor, who is very both who are very pro AB five, pro pro act. Um, we've had on Lisa Rothstein, Gail Gordon, and now Kim Cavan on the other side. Um, all big voices in the no AB five, no pro act, no no ending independent contractorship in any state. So. The episodes are there, folks. You can go back. You can listen to both sides. And that's what I like to do here on the rodeo. Um, So thank you for joining us. I think this was a very important piece. I really thank Kim for coming. And uh, Monday, we will see you back here. Have a good surprise for you. Um, I don't want to spoil it. Maybe I do. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't don't want to spoil it. but if you do Instacart or you, you know, you you like the shopping game, join us Monday. It's not just going to be a single person interview. It's going to be a really cool thing. And uh, if you miss it, you can go back and listen to it. But you don't want to miss it. Join us Monday. Or I'm sorry, Tuesday when the podcast drops. And other than that, uh, Curry. Sign up for Curry in the show links, people. 
and uh, check out our check out tncradio.live Friday nights four to six Pacific, seven to nine Eastern. tncradio.live. Uh, it's a call-in show. You can uh, first get on there and start listening, hear it out, and just call in however you want. We'll, we give out the numbers. It's right there. And, uh, yeah, we just like to have fun. Um, it's just kind of a really easygoing, lighthearted show. Jason Teary, myself, from the Gig Economy Podcast, and uh, we join uh, Tom Kelly, the station owner, and uh, one of the main voices, and uh, Chopper Bill. And uh, the four of us just kind of talk man you know it's a trucking station we talk we talk rideshare it's called rideshare nation so join us over there on friday and we will see you back here next week on rodeo <laughs>